When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Hello. Thank you for going to the Les Schwab Twires. Twires? I don't know. Hello. We appreciate you going to the Les Schwab. Les Schwab. Why can't you say tires? Vive Clucot. It's the same thing. Just say tires. Where do we pick up from? Hi, everyone. You're listening to the Center and the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Darkins, well, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab Tires. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 1952. Hey, happy Saturday morning. Who's not pumped for day three of the draft? Yeah. Kicking it off with the fourth round. It's going to be awesome. All these guys, you never heard them from schools you didn't know had football teams. They're coming to your team. You know, this is when Russell Wilson made his mark. When he in the third round? All right. Yeah, that would have been day two. This is when Tom Brady made his mark. Yeah, late in the uh, afternoon on a Saturday, somebody goes, hey, that's the guy from Michigan. And then thought nothing else of it until he was leading his team to Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl. Side note. Super Bowl. Side note. After Super Bowl. What has he been to? Nine? Okay, can I get this side note in? Because it's actually, it's very important. Side note. Mel Kuyper is wearing light-adjusted glasses on on the NFL Network right now. Yeah, he seems like a transition lens kind of guy. Yeah, that bothers me, like, a lot. But look at his hair. I know, but that's not good. You shouldn't do that. I I think it always looks like it's creepy as F when people wear those things. Here's the thing. You saw Mel Kuyper, and you didn't comment on his hair or his aging neck. So the glasses did their job. Yeah, they made him creepier. He is creepy looking with those yeah. with those light adjusted glasses. But the first I don't thing like you it. noticed were the glasses. Yeah, but now Job I think he's creepy. Well done. I no. Yeah. I I, hey. I, I want to uh, know uh, Mel uh, Kuyper uh, uh, for hawk hair and for that's you know some hot draft take or whatever. Yeah, you know what? Draft takes are fantastic because every year the draft comes around and every year we find out the experts have no idea what they're talking about. Yet we get like a six, eight-week run-up of everybody pretending they know everything. Let me it's, tell you something, Luke. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know anything. You don't, you don't know this in the draft that Josh Rosen. I think the trick is just learning as many guys' names as you possibly can and then just copying whatever Mel and Todd McShay did. That's how you make a name for yourself. This guy's big. He's sexy. He's hot. Yeah. We'll get into plenty of draft talk, but... <laughs> we will? Oh. Yeah, I've got a few things. Oh, all right. Well, the, the the Josh Rosen thing's a big deal, yeah? Yeah, I think so. I, I yeah, think we'll that- talk about that. The Daniel Jones. Uh, I do have some audio from the Seahawks uh, second draft pick. 
There's there's some things. We'll talk some draft. I think the biggest thing with Rosen is that he's dead on arrival in Miami. Well, we'll get to it. Save it. Save your hot Rosen takes. I said we'll talk plenty of draft later. Oh, we'll talk the draft. Yeah. Well, but here's here's what I realized that we have the benefit of on this show yet again. I mean, I'm a, I've always been aware of it, but something happened this week in the city of Portland that drove people absolutely insane. And lucky for you and I, we have a buffer between Tuesday night's Blazers game and the time that we go on air. Because Wednesday, let's be honest, it was pretty hyperbolic. People were saying greatest performance ever. They were saying uh, Damian Lillard's going to lead this team to the NBA Finals. We've had a few days to let it simmer. We've got to watch other teams play basketball. So here we are on a Saturday. Mm. Will, what what did you think of Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers' performance Tuesday night to close out the Oklahoma City Thunder? It was uh, probably, and it's becoming my favorite Trailblazers moment <laughs> of all time, but it's right now sitting at about second or third. Second or third? Yeah. Now, what did you think immediately? Uh, oh, my <laughs> F. I can't believe it. I will say this. When they got the rebound and he got and uh, Lillard got the ball in his hands with about 12 seconds left, I got up off the couch and stood. I yep. was standing around pacing because I go, <laughs> oh, my God, he's going to do it. I had the feeling he was going to take a three-point shot to end it. Like, yeah. I, I talked to a lot of people around the office and some of the fan guys, too, and they were like, oh, no, I thought, you know, th- I knew they were going to switch to try to get Paul George on him, so maybe I thought Lillard was going to try to... I was like, no, dude, that guy's going <laughs> to roll up, and he's going to bomb a three. I didn't know it would be 37 feet. And a step back yeah. of all things. But I got the very, very keen feeling that this guy's about to bomb a three to win it. So... My wife wants to catch up on Game of Thrones. There's no way we're going to make it by, like, whatever, middle of May when they get to the finale or whatever. We literally started watching the first season, like, a week and a half ago. We're not even through the first season. Like, we're binge-watching, like, parents. Uh-huh. Like, oh, let's try to watch an episode, and it takes us two days because one of us falls asleep. And, you know, we, like, once we've watched, like, one and then, like, the first quarter of the next episode. So we're not doing a very good job with it. But my wife really wanted to try to catch up on an episode. And so I was like, no problem. I go, just don't be upset that I'm going to be watching the Blazers game on a second screen. So I had it next to me. I'm sitting there with uh, my Blazers game on mute because I know what's going on. I can keep up with it. I'm fine. Here's here's the great part is the end of the Game of Thrones episode is kind of culminating around the time the Blazers game is ending up. So Lillard hits that shot just as people are being murdered. And I jump up and I'm running through the house because it's obviously as ridiculous a shot as you've ever seen. So then one of the guys, they have their own language, but it's the uh, Aquaman dude. And he stands up and starts screaming at everybody. I'm looking at the subtitles. He's talking about his you know, son raping the world or whatever, something like that. And he's just yelling in this angry voice. So I turned up Damian Lillard's interview talking about, I was like, game was over. So I just said, bye-bye. And he's, he's going through the whole thing as this yoked uh, warrior of some sort is screaming at me in my other ear. It was, the whole thing was fantastic. It's a very, very interesting way to watch a game, but that was awesome. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what happened. <laughs> I think your eyes glazed over halfway through that stupid There are a story. lot of elements. There's a lot game going of Thrones. on. I There's thought you were I thought you were gonna go into a Game of Thrones hot take or oh, something. Oh no, I have no takes on Game of Thrones. I'm I'm like 
eight episodes in. No, I might be waiting for the eighth episode to start. I've got no takes on that show. I'm not even sure if I like it, but like I said, I fall through, fall asleep halfway through most of them, so it's fine. Well, right when it went through, I jumped off the couch and screamed, scared yeah. the crap out of our cat. It went <laughs> running, and then uh, Megan was already in bed because it was like uh, 10 or something. She had to get up at 5, and she so like, you- came out. She's like, what the hell's wrong with you? And I was just like <laughs> pointing at the TV, and I wasn't talking. I was like, ah, yeah. yeah. It's great. It was great, and it still to me doesn't. It, it it doesn't take the place for me personally uh, with the Houston game winner. Really? 55305, better you today text line. Where do you rank Dame Shot in all-time Blazers moments? For you personally, I would say. Because oh, no, you don't want them to tell you how to feel? 55305, tell Will how he should feel. No, I, I about, guess what I'm saying yeah, is no, I, I don't I'm want them it. to take an objective viewpoint because oh, yeah, if you shut do up that, that garbage. then you just go, oh, okay, well, when we won the title, right? Yeah, I guess. But yeah, obvious. Okay, your personal favorite Blazers yeah. moment. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I mean, I wasn't around for the Bill Walton championship, so yeah, I can't say that that was. I still the Houston game winner to me is special because we it was gonna go back for a game seven, and we all I felt like kind of knew we would have lost, and it was also one of those yeah. things where you had absolutely no time left. And also, let me say this: Mike Tarico's call. Hundred times better than that D bag who was calling <laughs> on game five. Really though, dude, seriously. Okay. That call sucked. It just did. And I'm not talking about the local one. I'm not talking about uh um, Collabro. Yeah, I'm not talking about him. His was okay. Yeah. But the national guy on ESPN, that thing sucked. I didn't get the call. I had a I had a uh some sort of warrior screaming in my ear as it happened. So maybe there was a benefit of that. Because I actually enjoy watching a game without the commentary sometimes, so you can just kind of take it in. Here's the thing about the shot on Tuesday. It was to end their playoff drought where they had been bumped in the first round two years in a row. It is to score fifty. It is to beat OKC, who had been a nemesis all year. There's a lot of elements to that that has me ranking it ahead of it. Plus, it was just, it was Dame's moment, whereas I felt like that Houston series was LaMarcus's moment. For the first few games, he's putting up 40. It was Dame kind of putting a stamp mm. on it, but I don't think it was his series. This was Damian Lillard's coming out party. And the response that was uh, came out nationally the next day was the first time anybody talked about this series in terms of what's right with Portland versus what's wrong with Oklahoma City. Well, I'm going to have to disagree with you, with you there, Mel. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I thought the Houston one was Damian Lillard's coming out party. Yeah, it, but- it really was because, and, and even though you are correct that LaMarcus Aldridge had a better series, I mean, he was putting up 40, 35. He was just killing it every single night. I honestly think that was the moment it started that LaMarcus Aldridge said, you know what? Screw this guy. This is my team. I'm the one that's been keeping them buoyed for so many years because late 2000s, I mean, it was LaMarcus Aldridge and Brandon Roy who were keeping that team slightly relevant until we got Greg Oden and they got better. And he went through all the rough times. And I honestly think when Dame hit that game winner with Houston, it started the process in LA's mind of like, you know what? No, this is my team. I want to have a team somewhere else. Well, the tricky thing is we have the benefit of hindsight. We know what happened after that shot. Obviously, Lawrence left, but Damian Lillard came out. He was rookie of the year. They didn't make the the only year he hasn't made the playoffs was his rookie season. And then he comes out, hits that big shot. The next year, he's an all-star snub. 
And then he gets, you know, eventually gets into the all-star rotation where he's a regular there. Last year, he's first team all league. You have people that have recognized Damian Lillard at different points in his career. So I'm not saying nobody knew who he was, but the entire commentary, the first four games of that series was what's wrong with Paul George? What's wrong with Russell Westbrook? I even saw an article that's what's wrong with Steven Adams because Jeremy Grant was getting more uh, time in the rotation in the front court than he, he was. Played well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the entire series up to that point and had the game ended differently, I think you could very easily look at it and go, Oh, there's something wrong with OKC, but nobody did that on Wednesday morning. Everybody came out and went, Damian Lillard is a beast. And now it's just a matter of waiting to see what happens. But I think there's so much hope right now. And it really does depend on what happens in the next series and then the rest of the NBA playoffs. Because if Damian Lillard somehow drags this team to a competitive Western Conference championship series, we're talking about very differently than them getting swept by the Nuggets in four. Question I want to put on on the Better You Today text line 55305 uh, on the other side. After this series, would you consider Russell Westbrook still a top five guard in the league. Top five guard, not player. Guard. 55305 is better to you today. Text line, we'll get to your thoughts uh, next. Center and Saint, 1080 The Fan. Luke Anderson and Will Darkens bringing you a recap of the Blazers game. We're trying to figure out if Damian Lillard's moment was the biggest and baddest you've ever seen. For me right now, I will admit to suffering from the recency bias. I don't know. I just have a hard time picking another moment over that because it was such a dominant performance. And it, you know, you just get kind of clouded by it just happened. I have no idea what's going to happen next. And I think when you look back on it after the end of the season, knowing whatever happens in the next, you know, three weeks, happens then i'll have a better idea of where to rank it but i I don't know i just have a lot of i have a lot of optimism right now for the blazers uh the other question that uh, will ask uh after the thunder got bounced do you still consider russell westbrook a top five guard in the league no i don't i personally don't i mean just start with the list and then tell me if tell me if you can insert him at any point right okay go Steph Curry. Nope. Damian Lillard. Okay. Uh, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. I think you could throw Kyrie Irving ahead of him. Yeah. I honestly well, think that's what I'm saying. We're trying to find, we, all we need to do is find five yeah. that are better than he is. You could probably throw Devin Booker ahead of him. Uh, Dude, he's a more efficient well, scorer. Well, y- you can definitely put James Harden ahead of him. James Harden, yes. Uh, um, you know, Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson. Yeah, I mean, there's Mike Connolly. No. Kyle Lowry. Dude, I don't know. You could kind of debate that. Kyle Lowry, I think you could probably put ahead of him. I think you could put uh, Bradley Beal ahead of him, honestly. Put put Ben Simmons as a guard ahead of him? Technically, really. Well, I mean, mean, he does play the point for the most part. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Russell Westbrook, to me, is, is... He's just not, dude. He's not good anymore. He's not efficient. He sucks in the playoffs, and he's a cancer to the team. And you I, could see it from Paul George. Yeah. I'll, re- I'll read it right here from the Better You Today text line, 55305. Westbrook makes everyone around him, players, coaches, writers, feel unhappy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you put fans in there, too. I mean, he, he 
it's funny because we talked a lot about it locally, about the Blazers' struggles and being swept back-to-back uh, -back seasons out of the first round of the playoffs. Since KD left, the OKC, Oklahoma City Thunder have not won a series, and they've only won, I think, four playoff games. They're not very good, and they and they were able to add Paul George and somehow convince him to re-sign, and it hasn't made them that much better, even in the regular season. I mean, they were a train wreck after the All-Star break. You hear stories about people on the team, players on the team, coaches on the team, not being able to smile around him because they're afraid they'll get snapped at. Victor Oladipo played there and was obviously just kind of an uh, an afterthought since they were happy to get rid of him, and he went and became a star in Indiana. So it's like, yeah, I, I have another one, D'Angelo Russell. I said D'Angelo Russell. Didn't oh, I? did you? Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I guess what I think about is that Russell Westbrook is somebody who really a lot of the time relied on his talent more than anything and his yeah. athleticism sure. for his play, and it's really obvious. And so now that when you go through two knee surgeries, he had a scope uh, in the preseason this year, and it was kind of being questioned if he would even be able to play in the first month of the season. And you can see that that kind of burst is a little bit gone from him, and his inefficient shooting can't be made up for with his athleticism, I, I mean, he's kind of an ineffective player now. And if you're Oklahoma City, you're looking at this guy and you say, wow, we just tied our anchor to this person for the next four years. These playoffs proves the mental drawback of Westbrook leading your team. He'll never win an MVP again. He's an anti-chemistry guy. Everyone knows now. Yeah, and I, I think the person I feel worse for is Paul George, to be quite honest. And I know that we kind of har you know, harped on him a lot during this past week. A lot of the fan guys did. And, I mean, I did too. He's, you know, the whole, you know, that's not a good shot thing is absolutely ridiculous. The Paul George thing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, Damien's response was pretty yeah. money. Yeah. Uh, but I, I feel almost bad for Paul George because I think that all this has kind of infected him. And you can see that when he was at Indiana, dude, he was a lot more humble than this. He was a team leader. And now a lot of Russ's attitudes and a lot of his habits are rubbing off on him. It sucks. Kevin Durant got worse when he left, though. Explain that. What? Kevin Durant as a social personality. Oh, I thought you were a got, player. I was like, oh, God, no, what? no. <laughs> No, but like as far as far as a uh, how he interacts with the media, yeah. how he interacts with fans, just his overall presence has gotten worse. I wonder if there was something in that fracture that affected both players because Russell Westbrook and KD seem to get along with each other. Certainly at moments, I mean, they made it to a Game Seven of a Western Conference Final. They went to a, a, a against the Warriors. They went to a, a NBA Finals together. It seemed like there was some chemistry, but then when, once Kevin Durant left, I think he had different expectations for what people would perceive him as when he went to Golden State and won a championship. And I think that the triple-double thing is in Russell Westbrook's head where he thinks he has to continue to get them because that's what he's built his identity on and he's lost his team along the way. He went three straight seasons. The first year he gets rewarded as a hero, gets the MVP. Everybody is bowing down to him. It hasn't been done since Oscar. And rightfully so. But now he's done it three years in a row and nobody cares. Yeah, because he hasn't won a playoff series. It's, I mean, that's I'm not the saying that point. it's not correct. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the point of it all is really that he's never won a playoff series. And this kind of thing translates also with Damian Lillard, I think, is that he makes these big time shots and he puts up all these stats during the regular season. And people even midway through the season were kind of mentioning him in MVP conversations because he was having a really good year. But 
Blazer fans, people around the country keep saying, dude, you got to prove it. You yeah. got to actually show us in the playoffs. And this has been the year so far. I mean, they just won a series in five games. That's pretty darn good. That's better than the Clippers series when we swept them. But really the real reason for that was there was no Chris Paul and there was no Blake Griffin. Yeah. So it was pretty easy to get by that. But you played a Thunder team that everybody was kind of, uh, you know, predicting would be, you know, would be one of the teams that uh, would be your surprise upset. It's interesting because I've, I've thought a fair amount about this because obviously the last five years doing this radio show has given me a different perspective and I look at games a little bit differently because I know, you know, we're going to kind of dissect things. But I looked at the Blazers seasons over the years just to kind of see where, listen, back-to-back sweeps, yeah, it's bad. And I realized that we can make the the argument that they shouldn't have won that Clippers series, right? Now, are you measuring the the last decade? No, what I'm what I did was I just pulled up the list of Blazers seasons and looked for droughts in the playoffs. So not droughts from the playoffs, but first round exits. And there was a stretch 2008 to 2011 where they lost all of the series. They lost four two, so they weren't sweeps, but they lost three times in a stretch of missing the playoffs. Uh, a, a ton before with the Jails Blazers teams, and they missed it twice after that. But they had a stretch, made it to the playoff three times, got bounced in the first round all three years. Well, that late 2000s, I think I would attribute that to not having a superstar player. Sure. I, don't, I don't really consider LaMarcus Aldridge a superstar player. I think he was an all-star, yep. and he was somebody who could pad stats and get scoring for you. But he wasn't so – and honestly, the Houston game, the game six mm-hmm. when uh, Damian hit his first game winner – I think that proved more than anything that LaMarcus Aldridge wasn't your guy yep. to be a superstar because even though he was scoring 40 a night, he wasn't the one that hit the game winner. In 2000, they went to the Western Conference Finals. Everybody remembers how that ended. They lost the next two years. They got swept by the Lakers in the first round. Then they got bounced in seven by the Mavericks, so they lost three straight years in the first round. Then they went on that drought. And that was Roy's last uh, season. Yep. After they lost to the NBA in the NBA Finals to the Bulls, they went six straight first-round exits. Ooh, really? Now? That, this is what shocks me. Six straight first-round exits back in the mid-'80s uh, when they went to a conference semifinals. They lost four straight there before going to the finals against the Pistons. They they lost the—they they won the NBA Finals. They lost the next year in the semifinals, and they lost three straight first-round series. It's just— what I'm saying is it's not uncommon. We look at it like, oh, God, they got bounced twice. Two years in a row, they got swept out of the first round. One of those was by the Warriors, who went on to win a championship that year. Yes, last year against the Pelicans was a bad look, but this is what you do as an NBA team is you get better. You go and you take your lumps, and you figure it out. And I'm not going to put it past Russell Westbrook either to have a little come-to-Jesus moment this offseason and go, Man, I have to be a better teammate. I have to get together with Paul George, who's who's you know under contract for a couple more years. We need to figure something out. I wouldn't be surprised if OKC comes back with a different drive, very similar to what you saw between CJ and Dame. And we talked about this last week. They don't do their little dance when they come out and get their announcements anymore. It's not a big hype train getting ready for the game. Dame was stone cold after that win because he expected to win that series. He, they were commenting on how OKC celebrated so much after their Game 3 victory, and they celebrated more than the Blazers did after winning the series. There's going to be a, a lot of soul-searching by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Russell Westbrook is still a great athlete. He's still a very, very good basketball player. And right now you can kind of pin him down and go, yeah, he's not the guy to lead your team. Well, he's got an opportunity. Go figure it out, and we'll see you next year.
55305 is the Better You Today text line. Somebody putting in that uh, Paul George made his own bed. It shows OKC over Lakers. Now he's stuck at the tail end of his career. Uh, I don't know if Lakers would have been a better decision. Yeah, the La- well, I mean, there you go. I mean, we talked about this too with LeBron James. I mean, this is his first offseason where he's not in the playoffs. I mean, the guy's played equivalent of what, like three extra NBA seasons with all the playoff games he's played in his career. There's going to be teams coming back and going, all right, we have to do things a little differently. And guys that have tasted success, like Russ Westbrook, like LeBron James, I think have it in them to get there again. They're not so old that they don't have the ability to go out and play in today's NBA. They just have to do things differently. And I think somebody else here on the text line uh, kind of turns our uh, turned our lead question on its head. And actually, I think it's pretty good. We originally asked, you know, would you consider Westbrook a uh, top five guard? In sure. the league right now, somebody on the Better You Today text line, how many players would you start a franchise with before Westbrook? Yeah, there's a lot. There are a lot, honestly. Yeah. Um, I just kind of look through it and, you know, stop me if you'd start somebody before him. Deer and Fox? Yeah, well, no. Uh, uh, he's he's there's he's younger. Yeah. He scores more. No, he's more efficient. I, I get that. But if we, if we play if, Russell? if we play this game, we'll be here for a long time. He's still a transcendent talent, and it, I kind of don't think so, dude. Dude, he shot below 40%. Dude, he's never been a good shooter. He sucks. He did. He sucked in this series. The one time he had he a triple-double, they lost. That was the nice thing about Game 5 is OKC came out and played a very good game, and the Blazers still beat him. Yeah. They, they didn't. The Blazers, so did Paul George, the Blazers won that game. The Thunder didn't lose it. And sometimes you have to look at it two years ago against the Warriors. Yes, the Blazers got swept. They were playing against one of the best teams we've ever seen in the NBA, and they're still hanging around. So I nobody looks at that the same way they do without the Pelicans sweep. I don't think we look back at the two years going, oh, how disappointing. We just get we end up being prisoners of the moment. I'm telling you, it happens all the time. Russell Westbrook has the ability, he has the physical skills, and he has the experience to come back and retool a little bit and come back. And he's kinda, got a great running mate if Paul George is healthy. Yeah, I'm just I, saying. I, I think he's had these opportunities one too many times. How old is he? He's thirty. <laughs> Dude, ancient. that's that's ancient guard wise. Nah. Oh yes, that's ancient guard wise. He was a one and done player. How old is James think Harden? about that too. How old is James Harden? Uh, let's check. How old's James Harden and Chris Paul? I think Chris Paul's 35. I know. James Harden. God, why don't they just give me the age? That's all I want. How do they not know? Really, though? 29. Okay. Uh, dude, that's ancient for a guard. And okay. if you haven't changed your game, here's what I'll give for James Harden. He actually changed his game yeah. to a certain point to benefit his team, and he realized that he has to rely on Chris Paul for certain things. He made that concession. He did. And you can see that in the play this season. Russell Westbrook, it seems like he literally has not learned anything from year to year. He what? plays the same way he did when he was 20 that he's 30. And if you do that and you consistently do that as you age and your physicality starts to drop, you're screwed. Let me and ask you, you can see it with Damian Lillard, too. I, I'm saying, dude, like you can see year to year that Dame is trying to get people more involved. His rookie yeah. season and his second year – Dude would shoot the lights out, put up 30, 35 a night. Now you can see that he's trying to find other players because he gets it. The only way he's going to be able to get even further into the playoffs is if he gets everybody involved. Get rid of Billy Donovan? Oh, yeah, he's can. Okay, perfect. Dude, I, yes. Yeah. That seems. That, I mean, you can't. Yeah. Okay. 
as long as we agree on that. Uh, Let's run through some NFL draft stories, kind of catch you up on some of the things that have happened. We've got some audio for the Seahawks second round pick. We'll do that next. Also also got a poll question, by the way, because it's pretty fire. At Center Saint 1080 on Twitter. Go and check it out. It's fire. I was thinking we'd get to that in the second hour. No, you got to get to it now. Dude, it's that good. Are cl- yeah, the people are clamoring at it. Clamoring? Yeah. Well, then we better do it next. First, we are obligated to bring you the sports news. If you're looking for a video of a shirtless Pete Carroll hanging out on the interwebs, it's there for you. So, funny story after uh, the Seahawks move up to number 64, the last pick in the second round to select. Ole Miss wide receiver DK Metcalf. You've seen DK Metcalf photos, yes? Yeah. So one of the scouts for the Seahawks, uh, they brought him in for an interview and they're going through their whole draft process a couple weeks ago. And uh, they bring him in for his interview and one of the scouts talked DK Metcalf into going into meet Carroll, meet Pete Carroll shirtless. So if you don't know who that is and you're listening, he is a monster. He looks like... Uh, it looks like T.O. on steroids. Yeah, he's large. Yeah, he's and he's got, like, the washboard abs and the whole thing. He's, like, super freak. Uh, runs in a straight line only, um, but giant wide receiver for, for Ole Miss. So he comes in. D.K. Metcalf comes in. And uh, Pete Carroll's comments were something to the effect of, at first I thought it was funny. Then I got kind of pissed. Then I took off my own shirt. And there's a video of him taking off his shirt to meet him and Pete Carroll all bowing up and flexing on this guy, which was uh, pretty funny. Then, well, they called him to announce the pick, and I need to get your opinion on, uh, well, the results of this phone call, because I don't know how to feel about it. Hello? DK. Yes, sir. Hey, it's John Steiner with, with the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, how you doing? How you doing, bud? You doing all right? Yes, hey, yes, man, sir. get fired up. We're going to make you a Seahawk right here, okay? Yeah, all right, bud. All right, man. Congratulations. Thank you. You got you got to help me out in the weight room, though. I'm a little little slow in that area, okay? Uh, yeah. All right. Look forward to this, brother. Okay. Here's Coach Carroll. Yes, sir. Thank you. DK. Hey, DK. This is Coach Pete Carroll. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. <laughs> Okay, we'll both cry together then, all right? <laughs> Why y'all wait this long, man? I, I know, I know you had to wait a little bit, but that doesn't matter because you're coming to Seattle, man. You're going to play, you're gonna play with the Seahawks, and you're going to catch fo- footballs from Russell Wilson. So get your ass ready to go, big fella. We are fired up for it, and uh, the staff is excited. Listen to these guys. Here's your staff. How about that? Thank you. Thank you. TK, this is awesome, man. We're so excited about this. I can't even tell you. I love that moment. Whoops. So, you like wide receivers with a little uh, crying in them? Yeah. Yeah? Why not? That's the biggest moment of his life. I don't know. Seemed a what? little. That is the biggest moment of his life so far. So far. So far. Yes. So, here's here's the reason I question it. Okay. The last time I seen a player weep that much uh-huh. was Cedric Benson being drafted by the Bears. You remember Cedric Benson? Yeah. Remember what his NFL career was like compared to his college career? So you think 
crying on draft day equals crappiness? I don't know, but this is the only one I have to equate it to. But you remember how good Cedric Benson was at Texas? Yeah. Really good. Got him the fifth overall draft pick. And in that moment, I was like, yeah, this is the biggest moment of his life. He's pissed. He wanted to be the number one overall pick. He's going to go out there. And I told people, I'm like, this guy is going to be a baller. Cedric Benson was a huge bust. Huge waste of a fifth overall pick. Here's the difference between Cedric Benson and DK Metcalf. Cedric Benson was really good in college. DK Metcalf had 64 catches in three years at Ole Miss. He had the third slowest cone drill, which is your lateral movement. This is a guy that ran a 4-3-40. He's, what, 6'4", like 237 pounds of pure muscle. But I think he's kind of the, I think Todd McShay called him a one-trick pony. And I don't know if that's a, that's a recipe for success in the NFL. By the way, Vernon Davis cried when he got drafted. So I think that, yes, right. it's probably not the best recipe, especially in today's game where you're seeing offenses diversify a lot more and you're having smaller slot guys getting moved all over the field. You know, you have receivers like Doug Baldwin. They're able to make more plays because you have quarterbacks that are more athletic and being able to find receivers in space. And it really is true. There's only a couple prototypical wide receivers nowadays that uh, or at least classic prototypical wide receivers that are really successful. Julio, Julio Jones, that's yeah. kind of the only one that I can think of that's like an Adonis player who's what? still really successful. Yeah. You look at guys like OBJ, who's only 6'2", 6'3", that's still pretty tall, but uh, not hitting that 6'4", 6'5", range who, again, you're really speedy, you can get out in space, and you can move. I think this is kind of one of those picks where you just kind of have to trust Seattle because yeah. they have a really good track record of drafting guys. But I, I, I'm seeing from your point of view, it's like this receiver is kind of an old style guy. Yeah. It's like, hey, can you do a double move and run straight? All right. Well, and the other thing that's interesting is is Russell Wilson throws one of the best deep balls by completion percentage in the NFL, but he's yeah. never had a target like this. They tried to bring in... Uh, Brandon Marshall last year, but obviously he's at the end of his career and he's been injury prone and that didn't really work out. They had Chris Matthews, who was a big body guy, but he didn't really have any hype coming out, but he caught those big, big, uh, he had a couple big plays in the Super Bowl and then disappeared. So you haven't had a big bodied wide receiver on the Seahawks roster since they've been successful. So I'm just curious what it'll end up being, but uh, Vernon Davis, if he cried, he had a good NFL career. He was a big-bodied speedster guy, so who knows? We'll see what happens, but it just took me back to Cedric Benson, and I was like, I told everybody, this guy is going to be the man. He cares so much. Look, he's not afraid to cry. He's going to crush people, and he was terrible. Des Bryant cried, too. Des Bryant cried? Yeah. Well, and we know T.O. Rob cried. Gronkowski cried. Do you have a list of all the guys? No, I'm literally just going through a video that's uh, labeled emotional moments, getting uh, <laughs> players getting drafted. Well, we remember T.O., and that's my quarterback. That's my, that's my quarterback. Uh, All right. Well, maybe I'm just looking through more crying players. Five five three zero five Seahawks fans. Uh, Gerald happy. McCoy cried. Who did? Gerald McCoy. <laughs> five five three zero five. Better you today. Text line. Are you happy with your big bad crying wide receiver? Let me know. <laughs> five five three zero five. Let me know, please. I, I'm curious. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. I have mixed emotions. <laughs> yeah, I think this speaks more to you. Is that you? You you have problems meeting your own, you know, your own emotions, 
And, uh, you know, when you see other men cry, you feel threatened. I'll tell you what. You and I will use a break to have a little uh, therapy session. Mark Ingram cried. And then we will get to. Mark Ingram, ugly crier. Is he an ugly crier? Yeah. As ugly as that one sounded? Uh, That sounded pretty bad. I mean, his face just looks. Oh, Tyron Matthew cried, too. Well, there you go. And actually, Tyron Matthew cried, and his girlfriend's, like, papoose wrapped around him, like, like giving him giving him kisses. It's really weird. That seems uncomfortable. All right, we will look at NFL draft uh, uh, crying moments, and then after we do that. Boy, she's hot. <laughs> we'll get to good versus evil. <sighs> that is next. Tell you what. Sinner and Saints. Smoke show. 1080 The Fan. Have you been too busy to keep up on sports this week? What has happened to the What has happened? What has happened to the national interest? No time to form your own opinions? I stand before you here today in the midst of gnarly times. Well, no worries, bro. Let the center and the saint shred the gnar while you just sit back and ride the wave. It's time for Good versus Evil. Brought to you by the Titan of Hawaiian Restaurants. 808 on 1080 The Fan. I enjoy it, and especially when you when you when you get a chance to see them, you know, from high school and to see that transformation in them as men and to know to watch the work and to see them. Because this will carry, they'll carry this with them for the rest of their lives. That was a real estate agent who's waiting for you to check out the guest house in back so he can boink your wife and change your dog's name. Dabo Sweeney. Yesterday, Clemson's head coach agreed to a 10-year, $93 million deal. That's the largest one in college football history for a head coach. Old Dabo has won two national championships and is pretty close to earning the same salary as Nick Saban. Here's where it gets interesting, though. If Sweeney leaves for his alma mater, Alabama, in the next two years, the buyout is $6 million. Is the contract fair, or does he deserve more? Yeah, $4 million if he goes anywhere else, uh, $6 million if he goes to Alabama. So they're putting up a luxury tax if he goes back home. Clemson. Is it Clemson fair? Is, yes. Clemson is making money hand over fist, and Clemson is... Right now, I mean, they're the defending champs. They've beaten Alabama in this uh, national championship tournament that we have now twice, played against them three times or four times because I guess they played uh, once not for the championship. So they're they're a write-in every year. They dominate the ACC. Clemson is a college football power, and they never were even on my radar growing up. Uh, So, yeah, if somebody came in and transformed your school into that, so let's say let's say guy shows up. Jonathan Smith turns the Oregon State Beavers into what Clemson is right now. What would you pay him? Uh, all of the monies. I guess. Right? <laughs> all the money we have. Yeah, all the monies you have and all the monies you can get. You don't get paid for what you did. You get paid for what you're going to do. And Ben Roethlisberger this year really? has a tremendous amount. Oh, yes, yeah, especially in the NFL, has a tremendous amount of pressure upon him. To perform. That was edgy insurance salesman Max Kellerman. He's talking about fat flesh mass harboring a human brain, Ben Roethlisberger. Does he harbor a human brain? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's not working. Okay. I'm just saying he has it. It's not connected at all correctly. Big Ben got himself a contract extension through 2021. It's $68 million, including $37.5 guaranteed on a signing bonus. Or, I'm sorry, $37.5 signing bonus, $30 million guaranteed with injury. Antonio Brown's gone. Le'Veon Bell is gone. 
Is this the best decision for the Steelers' future? Uh, future. Immediate future, probably. Um, ben Roethlisberger has threatened to retire again and again and again. Probably, what, the last three out of the last four years. And he went and led the league in passing last year. So does Ben Roethlisberger make the people around him better? Mike Wallace left and was never the same. Uh, Antonio Brown was one of the best receivers ever. Uh, it will to be determined what happens uh, with him uh, outside of uh, the, the care of the Steelers organization. Juju Smith-Schuster came in, made a median impact. James Conner was on a uh, Pro Bowl trajectory in place of Le'Veon Bell last year. So, yeah, I disagree with what Max said. You do pay guys for what they've done because you have no idea what they're going to do in the future. You kind of cross your fingers on that a little bit. So I think that there is some element of, Ben, thank you. Here's a big fat contract to end your career. Did you consider whether or not it was an appropriate tactic to use a suspicious package, a bomb scare type suspicious package, to clear out this business and anybody else that was in a neighboring business? That was my only option. That was a lawyer getting paid to to protect the integrity of a guy that enjoys tugs, Robert Kraft's attorney. Okay, two things. One, there's a report out there that Kraft flashed his Super Bowl ring when getting stopped by police during the sting. Ah, That is awesome. Two, a Florida judge uh, refused to unseal the Robert Kraft sex tape or just... The tape of him yeah, yeah, yeah. getting a massage. Yeah, yeah. Are you disappointed? No, I'm not. I know you are. Yes. I know that you are. I want to see it. Yeah, you'll eventually see it. And it'll be, uh, you know, a big pile of melting ice cream getting, uh, you know, poked at by a uh, lovely young masseuse. It's going to be uh, very disappointing for you. I'm sorry, but you can find a very similar video on the Internet. I'm pretty sure of it because the internet is full of disgusting things. What do you so, mean I'm going to be disappointed by that? That's what I want. Okay. It's, it's, it's when you go to a movie expecting it to be the best movie you've ever seen. It never is. I can't believe you still haven't seen that picture of Grey Godin. <laughs> no, I think you've showed it to me. I think you've, you've, oh, snuck, I you've snuck it into a production meeting. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I probably have. Yeah, you definitely. All right, time for my favorite story in the week, and this one actually comes from Hollywood. Ooh. Well, not directly Hollywood, oh, but... Hollywood, Florida? It involves a Hollywood guy. Oh, okay. Okay. Tell me if you recognize this voice. Hold on. No. I don't. The news, that means you too. Yeah. You say you want a leader, but you can't even make up your mind. I think you better close it. No. That's Nick Cage singing Purple Rain. Nick Cage. So Nicholas Cage is performing angry covers of Purple Rain at Los Angeles karaoke bars after he uh, got a divorce. Why not? He can do no wrong. Dude, he's doing this like multiple times, though. <laughs> That's his go-to? Yes. Like, what, What's your go-to karaoke song? My go-to angry karaoke yeah, song? Yeah, yeah, your, your Your post-divorce angry karaoke song. Oh, I don't know. That's yeah. a tough one. Yeah, I'd have to really I'd really have to think about that. What you uh, maybe uh, uh, Three Princes by the Spin <laughs> Doctors. Doctors. <laughs> An angry, if you 
Won't you call me baby? <laughs> go ahead. I'd go, I go, I go four non-blondes. What's going on? That's pretty good. Yeah, probably do that. Sounds unhealthy. What's your favorite Nick Cage moment besides this, obviously? Besides this? I know that this is now number one. Yes, it is. Recency bias, obviously. Yeah, of course. Uh, favorite Nick Cage movie movie moment? Oh, uh, The Wicker Man. All of it. Oh, everything. Every single moment of The Wicker Man. It's amazing. Ah, the bees. Dude, you can't beat Ah, the bees. Ah, <laughs> oh, the bees. Oh, you're in my eyes. The bees. <laughs> Dude, that, Nick, Nick Cage is a parody of himself at this point, isn't he? Yeah, he kind of is. Okay. You know, he went on Weekend Update because uh, Andy Samberg does yeah, like did a really good Nick impression. Cage, yeah. yeah, and so that was kind of the moment you were like, "Oh, okay, I think he he's in, he's in on it. He gets it." But then he does movies like Bangkok Dangerous, and uh, I did you know, not know that was a thing. Yeah, that's a movie. Oh, boy. and it's bad. Oh, boy. it's as good as it sounds. You mean it's really, really bad. Yeah, sounds. Um, yeah, but. Um, yes. Have you never seen the wicker man? No. Okay. Here, there's a couple of things about it that are just absolutely hilarious. One is the scene where he gets bees porn on him. Okay. Porn on him. Yeah. Poured. Poured. Yeah. N- um, <laughs> and then there's the scene or there's the many scenes where he just punches women. Whoa. Like a lot. Yeah. For seemingly no reason. Jeez. Why are you laughing at that? Because there's like no reason, there's no rhyme or reason to why he's uh, doing it. Yeah. Like you do, look up the supercut where like these women are coming up to him. You know, the whole plot is that he gets stuck in this colonial town and they're, you know, manipulating him to do some weird ritualistic thing. But like these women come up to him in this colonial town and they'll like be kind of creepy, like not threatening, just kind of creepy. So he punches him. Yeah. And he just is like, screw that. And just punches him in the face. And right. sometimes he does it without even saying anything. Well, I guess we'll have to uh, get that from the old red box. And... Dude, he'll run into a room, and, like, some woman is there and starts talking, and then just pow right in the kisser. Yeah. Okay. There there are good Nick Cage movies, right? Leaving Las Vegas, Con Air. Done. Like... That's it. You're done. That's it. Okay. I was going to say Con... Seriously. Con Air people like, but I don't think. It's not a good movie. No. Yeah. Go back and watch Con Air. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Put the bunny down. <laughs> the list ends. The yeah. list ends at Leaving Las Vegas. Leaving Las Vegas is a great movie. And then after that, you're just done. Nothing. Okay. I mean, what? Family Man? Mm. You ever seen Family Man? Eh, I don't think I have. Is T. Leone in that one? Yeah. And okay. She's pretty hot. She's, yeah. T. Leone is just like. Oh. You, you, you just wish she was just a little better actress. No way. She's great. Oh, no. Oh, dude. No, because, well, and. T. and T. I guess Leone I know is the celebrity you marry. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but she um she has that like almost leading like she's almost able to carry a film because what's her what's her big role Taylor's yeah where she carries she has a couple TV shows they've built around her but she's never been the star of a, a film that I can think of she's um, been the co-star and she's a solid co-star let's see Bad Boys she was in Bad Boys oh, yeah she's not the leading not Bad Boys. 
She was the uh, journalist in Deep Impact. Okay. She was in Spanglish as the crazy wife. Yeah. Oh, Taylor was in a league of her own. I don't remember that at all. I don't either, actually. That's weird. She was like the opposing team's pitcher, just as. No joke. She was in the House of D. I don't even know what that means. That's actually a movie. I'm, I'll bet House it of is. D. Good versus evil is brought to you by our friends at 808, the Titan of Hawaiian restaurants, 2454 East Burnside or 52nd in Woodstock. Uh, Dude, we will get House in. of D. We've got a game seven in the NBA between the Nuggets and the Spurs for the honor to play the Portland Trailblazers. A little more draft po- draft talk. We'll look at where the quarterbacks went and was Daniel Jones the worst pick that you've ever seen. What were those production like executives thinking? Baseball talk also in hour two. You're listening to The Sitter and the Saint on Portland Sports Leader, 1080 The Fan. Let's green light House of D. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.